0: Welcome to the next episode of the FOSS North podcast. Uh, we'd like to start with some news. So on, on November 1st, 2020, uh, there will be a virtual full day event uh, replacing the, the planned FOSS North 2020 take two. So, so we're postponing a second time due to Corona, but we still hope to see you there. Uh, free of charge, join in, watch the live streams. Uh, the Q and A's will be live with all speakers. So. Uh, being there when it happens means that you can, uh, you can ask your questions and, and talk to the speakers, which is great. Everything is also recorded for those who cannot make it. Um, and then we've been able to, to postpone the physical event into next year. So big thanks to all sponsors helping us out and, and, uh, moving along with us until a, a later date. Uh, so today is actually one of the first episodes based on a, on a listener question. So it shows how, how the the latency from question, which is like three months <laughs> ago until, <laughs> until actually yeah. recording. But we're going to talk about business models a bit. We can just uh, say
1: that we have done a lot of research, and that's why it's taken so long.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is like one of the more serious non-lawyer involved episodes. Exactly. <laughs> now, so we want to talk about business models. And one thing that I want to say before going into this is that FOSS is not a business model. Uh, Sometimes it's confused. So when you pick a business model, the FOSS licensing affects that. So some licenses might not work with some business models, but at the same time, having a FOSS license doesn't mean that you have a specific business model or have to have a business model at all. so it's, it's a part of a bigger puzzle and, and this will be focusing on the, on how to do it around the FOSS models, but not, I mean, we're not business people. So, uh, so it's exactly. more about the FOSS part of things. Yeah. Um, so this will most likely be separate episodes or several episodes. Uh, but this is just an overview of the different models that we will be talking about. So, so everything from services and selling a package to these. So, as a service, uh, remote access things, dual licensing, selling actual physical goods, um, all the way to having no model and and just coding for fun. Um, so, so we will we will discuss this over the coming weeks. So, let's dive into a model. Let's talk a bit about services. So, so this is one of the the old models, I would say. And then reading like the Cathedral and Bazaar and the the theories around the, the copyleft things. This seems to be the model that, that was envisioned early on. Uh, so it basically means that you do work, which involves improving or changing FOSS code, uh, and you get paid for that work. Uh, and then the outcome is sort of shared as, as an open source uh, resource that everyone can can use together. Uh, and this can be anything from like development work, documentation work, but also like prioritized support, having like an, a service level agreement, installation support, whatnot. Uh, there are many different things. Uh, diving a bit deeper here, I mean, services can be anything. Uh, it's also good to know that for for strong copyleft licenses like the the GPL and so on, uh, they are still triggered by distribution. And distribution from you probably only happens to your customers. Mm. So I mean, there, there are service companies that it doesn't mean that you have to provide your patches to the whole world, you might actually sell your individual patches to customers. And then usually those have sort of a limited spread somehow. Um, but at the end of the day, it's up to your customers to upstream them, or they choose to pay you for, for actually upstreaming. So it's you can balance this in, in different ways.
1: Yeah. So it's good for them to upstream it because then they don't need to, to have the patches and apply them every time something upstream changes. But sometimes it might be a bigger patch, which introduces new functionality. And that might be a competitive advantage for them where they would not like to, uh, to share it.
0: Exactly. Um and I mean it, it could even be that the patch is only useful for them so there is no point in upstreaming it but you can still sell it as as something for the customer even though the project it has a strong copyleft
1: Exactly but basically you're just selling your time uh, isn't it it's not like yep. you're selling the code or anything you're basically in this in this case you're selling your time working on a project which which helps the customer whether there is already something, so you don't need to build it from scratch, but there needs to be adaptations,
0: and then that's the, this code which they get. Exactly, and, and we actually have a separate model for when you're selling more of a deliverable. We, we, we call it packaging uh, in, in this presentation, and uh, so, so this services is really only about time or time availability, so and speak. it
1: and it doesn't need to be involve even coding. I would say, perhaps uh, you have something where you, where the, a customer doesn't know how to set up a certain uh, open source project, so you help them setting it up and connecting to their to their infrastructure and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and I guess training would also fall into this category, probably. True. True. Uh, So so we have some examples. Um, (laughs) In many of these slides, it was actually hard to find good examples. Uh, And in this one, it was too easy. But there were too many to to name names, so to speak. (laughs) So it seems today that almost every software service company on the planet does this. I mean, regardless of what platform and what framework you're working on, there is an open source element to it. So so everyone does this to some extent. exactly so there's
1: this saying that open source uh, is eating the world where, where basically as you say it's everywhere anyway and everybody is using it in some degree uh, uh, may it be as a full project or some library or something like that yeah and i think from from you know the projects that one tend to browse around where there are a very small uh, maintainer base this is uh, this is an appreciated way of uh, of supporting the project by paying the developers basically for for developing yeah i think we uh, daniel's uh, from the curl project is basically doing this full time isn't he
0: yeah now he does it full time but my understanding that he is that he's sometimes sort of taken on these type of jobs even before he was hired by by WolfSSL. Mm. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know how his employment contract looks like, but in, now I think it's his time is more decoupled from the actual support, so he's he's getting his monthly bills yeah. paid anyway. Mm. But yeah, a, a similar setup, definitely. Uh, something for those of you running your own companies, it's it's good to be aware of this when you write contracts. Um, I've seen it, it's not uncommon to to have like IP rights uh, clauses in contracts and so on that actually conflict to this. Um, so if you want to be able to upstream stuff or or simply reuse it because of the the licensing, it's always good to to keep this in mind.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah. Let's move on to the next license. But the captain, the next model, <laughs> the next business model. Let's move on to the next business model. So another business model is packaging. Uh, this is very very similar to uh, to services as well, but it, it's more about selling a, a pre-integrated set of open source components, or, or it might even be sort of secret source around open source components in some cases. So I mentioned distro as the output of the work but but it might be just a program or something that's sort of you you don't deliver your time you deliver something that the customer uses as a product even though it's a a software product Mm -hmm. Um, and there are various things that you can sort of take into this packaging it might be support installation support maintenance over long times you make guarantees uh, they might be able to direct the roadmap and so on. And then, then you're sort of bordering to, to services that they, they get to pay for new features. It's just that the features goes into the common open source space.
1: So companies like Red Hat and Canonical, you were thinking about, or?
0: Yeah, it? I would I would say so, that those, but also like product companies doing open source software products. Um, mm. Nextcloud, for instance comes to mind since it's uh, i'm not sure if they have an a service offering themselves mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so so they they develop an open source code base and you sort of pay them for not part of the hour but for features and so on yeah
1: yeah but i also suppose like uh, embedded linux things where you just build stuff around a full linux systems where most of it is uh, is free software, and then there might be some kind of uh, secret sauce in there.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the, the only difference to services is how you charge. So, so here you make the customer pay for a product or for a delivery instead of just the services, um, so it's kind of less direct. So if you look at it from the customer side, they get to share costs. So everyone pays like a tenth of a feature because everyone gets the feature. But if the supplier has more than 10 customers, he, that company or person still gets the, the multiplier effect, so to speak, and, and can actually make a lot more per hour, uh, by doing this. But at the same time, it's harder to sell a product, um, from, from a business perspective, like liabilities and, and all of that. And yeah, it's, it's more complex from, from a contractual standpoint, I would say. Um, we see subscriptions here. It combines well with services, as we mentioned. how does it relate to
1: the liabilities and so on? How would they relate to the the first licenses where where you in the license, it already says that uh, we are not not taking care of it, you take it as it is?
0: I think it's more for the commercial contract, I would say so, so I mean, mm-hmm. if if I sell ours, so the time and material, uh, usually today it's agile and you have a backlog and and you get what you get for the hours and and there's sort of a sense of trust from the customer that due to experience they they get good output from it mm-hmm. but there are there are no commitments that this function will be there I see. It, it, not contractually then of course you work towards a goal and and the customer is of course disappointed if you if you completely misjudge what time you need but here you actually sell the function. Okay. okay so so okay. if if you have five times the hours to fulfill something, it's up to you to do that. So it's kind of riskier if you're a small player. Yeah. Um, but it's also you have the multipliers. I mean, it's risk reward, like uh, like everything else. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so I tried to make some examples here, and, and I mean there there are loads and loads of them. I mentioned Red Hat. I mentioned Monta Vista. Uh, which is an old embedded Linux distro maker. Uh, I'm not even sure if they're around as an independent company anymore. It's, uh, I've seen them a long time ago, but we have SUSE and Canonical and so on going around this as well. And and then not only distro makers, but program makers.
1: Yeah. I, I'm thinking about uh, Nabucasa, which is a company ara- uh, which spun out of the Home Assistant uh, community, basically which then helps exactly with this packaging, and uh, having like someone to talk to, for companies, uh, if they want to get involved into in Home Assistant.
0: Yeah, and I think that this having someone to talk to for companies is actually a very important aspect. Because if, if, if you're selling to a non software company, they might not be willing to pay hours because they don't really understand what they're buying, yeah. but they want the function. And, and this is a place where, where proprietary software is stronger because they obviously sell a function usually. I mean, if you look at Microsoft and these, the big classic software vendors, you get Office and then there's no way to pay for having new features into Office. They don't pay by the hour to do changes to LibreOffice, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the lack of this to some extent is actually something holding the adoption of open source software back.
1: Yeah. But uh, there are companies which, which help with that. Red Hat is the the classic one, basically.
0: Yeah. And I think there are lots and lots of small opportunities here for, for local companies. I mean, at Foss north we've, we've had two different sponsors that, uh, that do packaging around Nextcloud, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and simply just make it sellable uh, to either providing images that you can self host or actually provide hosting for for customers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's um, I think this is an, an unexplored area, but that, that's just my <laughs> layman observation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here be gold. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that's the end of the first episode on, on business models. Um, as always, you, you can reach this either through fos-north.se slash pod, uh, or through your favorite pod player, uh, or at YouTube or conf.tube, uh, which is a peer tube instance. Um, so like and subscribe if you're on YouTube and conftube. We, we always like it. The, you can always mail us. you find the addresses at the website. Uh, and enjoy.